0: Testament book of 2 Peter. If you would, 2 Peter chapter 1. That's the passage we read just a moment ago. And last night we were having a little Bible study at Tommy and Maggie's. And this is where the Lord directed our attention. And I just felt that that's just where we'll be this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1 is an amazing book. And we are caused and called by God, I believe, to walk through. Many difficult places in life, many valleys, many challenges. And uh, sometimes in the midst of those valleys and difficulties and darknesses, we forget what we have in Christ, who we are in Christ. To Peter, I believe, is, of course, the second letter that Peter writes, that Peter is the apostle of hope. This In this book, Peter starts by reminding God's people of all that we have been given in Christ, I want you to notice two words uh, through which we'll draw our sermon today. And I want you to notice in verse 3, the Bible says, According as His divine power hath given. That little five-letter word, given. Again in verse 4, whereby are given unto us. And then in verse 5, and besides this, giving. Given and giving. I wonder this morning, if, if you would just stop for a moment and look this way. I wonder if you could write down all that God has given you. I wonder how long would your list be? If you could think about it for a moment and you took a pen out and began to write all that God has given you. Would you know where to begin? Would you be able to stop the list? And Peter, under the inspiration of God's spirit, begins this chapter, this book, this little letter. With reminding us of all that we have been given. I can't help but other verses. I think about the verse that says in one in John chapter 1. And of his fullness have all we received. We've received of his fullness. I'm thankful that God does not give us a half cup. He doesn't give to us partially. He doesn't give us a half baked good. He gives us of his fullness. That sometimes is not not easy for us to comprehend that God has given unto us His fullness. I don't think we'll ever be able to see all that God has given us but let's stop and think about a few things that are mentioned here especially I remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 9 you may be familiar with this verse eye hath not seen nor ear hath heard neither is entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him we have never seen We've never heard, we've never even imagined all that God has given you and has prepared for you. It's quite remarkable. But here are a few in our text. Let's look at them together. The Bible says there twice, we read it a moment ago, in verse 3, according as His divine power hath given unto us. And again in verse 4, whereby are given unto us. What are some things that God has given to you? In the very first verse, Simon Peter says, A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ To them that have obtained like precious faith The very first thing if you're a child of God That God has given you is precious faith Faith is a gift, did you know that? God, if you've been born again God has given you precious faith And it's like precious faith Today if you've been saved by the grace of God Then you have the same precious faith that I do It's the same thing. It's not that you have your kind of a faith and I have my kind of a faith. I get annoyed sometimes. I meet people who say, well, I worship God my way and I have my own faith. And Well, but the scriptures say we have a like precious faith. There are some things that are similar. There are some things that are the same. And that's been given to us. By the way, that's how you know if someone's really been born again. They've been given the same faith that you have. It's not something they wrote themselves. They didn't make it up themselves. They didn't go home and say, I like that bit, and I don't like that bit, so I'm going to make my own faith. It doesn't work like that. We've been given the same, like, precious faith. It's a gift from God. Sometimes we 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 tell ourselves, we talk sometimes, we just gotta have faith. And and I understand that, and but we have to remind ourselves again that faith is a precious gift. Paul writes to the Philippian church in chapter one and verse 29: For unto you it is given. In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Did you know that to believe on Him is something that's been given to you? It's remarkable to think about. I don't understand it all, but I do read it in His Word and I believe it. Romans chapter 12, we find the same thing in verse number 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God deals to us the measure of faith that we have. It's a gift. I wonder today, do you have that gift? Have you received that gift? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? Do you believe that God is truly, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus? Do you believe Do you believe that God the Son, Jesus Christ, became a man? He took upon him a robe of flesh. He became like you and I. Do you believe he was born of a virgin, lived a perfect and sinless life, that he died on the cross, literally died on the cross for your sins, taking your sins upon himself, suffering the wrath that you deserve, suffering the punishment that you deserve, that he was crucified, he was killed. He laid down His life for your sins that He's put into a borrowed tomb and three days later He rose again. Do you believe that? If so, it's been given to you to believe. That's a gift. And this morning we begin when thinking about what God has given us. Would you look this way? If today you believe you ought to give thanks to God. Today if you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you ought to hit the ground in the morning on your knees and say, Thank you, God, that I believe should never pat yourself on the back and say, you know what? I'm a pretty good fellow. I believe all that stuff. No, it's a gift. It's been given. Not only that, we find in God's Word uh, that we, those who have obtained light, precious faith through the righteousness of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something else God gave you. If you've been born again this morning, God gave you His righteousness. And you ought to thank God for that. Because your righteousness will never get you anywhere but trouble. You and I, I'm sorry to say, are no good in and of ourselves. Paul, the great apostle Paul, the great missionary, the great church planter said, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In me there is no righteousness. The Bible says in another place, all of our righteousnesses are what? Filthy rags. That's what your righteousness is. A heap of filthy, stinking, putrefying rags. That's what your righteousness is. But praise God, if you've been saved, God's given you His righteousness. I don't know about you, but if I had the choice to to choose between a a good, clean, pure, upstanding citizen who, who has not broken the law, living a good, clean life, and I was going to stand before a judge, and I had a choice of taking his record or taking a hardened criminal who's already spent 30, 40 years in prison and still has another 34 years to go. If I had to choose between whose record I'd choose, wouldn't you choose the good one? How much greater is the record of our God? who's never known sin, never told a lie, never thought an ill thought, never thought an impure thought, never said something that he had to say sorry for, wouldn't you rather have his righteousness? Because one day very soon you're going to stand before an almighty, all-knowing judge and you will answer for the life you've lived. And the only way that you'll ever be in a good standing with that judge is if you have his righteousness. And if you've been born again, you got it. The scriptures talk about it. Romans 3 talks about it. We've been given the righteousness of God. Not only that, but the Bible tells us in verse 3, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, I'm not the most clever chap in the world, but I do know you can't multiply something you don't have, right? You can't multiply something if you don't have it. And the Bible says grace and peace be multiplied to you, which means you must already have grace. Now, some of us could do with a bit more grace, couldn't we? I probably could use a bit more this morning. But grace has been given to you. You know what grace is? It's the kindness of God that you never deserved. It's the kindness of God that God gave you when you were not looking to please Him, when you were not trying to find Him. God said His favor is kindness. He looked at you and said, I like you, not because of who you are, but because of who He is. That's grace. And that's what God gave you. That's amazing. Grace and peace. I've written, I've written a number of verses that deal a bit about how we've been given grace. I don't have time to read them all, but I'll give you a couple of them. John one seventeen says, For the law, pardon me, but one sixteen And of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give you grace. Romans Speaks about the grace of God over and over. Let me give you a couple of verses. Romans 12 and verse number 3 says this. For I say through the grace given unto me. Again verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Again in in Romans 15 verse number 15 it says. Nevertheless brethren I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind. Because of the grace that is given to me of God. 1 Corinthians 4 Pardon me, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 4, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, Galatians 2 verse 9, Ephesians 3, and on and on and on. Grace has been given. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift of God. Grace is a gift. Not only that, but peace. Would you look here for a moment? The whole world wants peace today. But they don't want to go to the one place to get it. You can't find peace by looking at the BBC. In fact, you'll only get higher blood pressure. You're not going to find peace... Looking anywhere else, but in the face of God the Father. Peace comes through God. Romans 5 verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's been given to you. Amazing, isn't it? And if that's not enough, in verse number 3, the Bible says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things. Now that's a wide statement, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? That God didn't just give you grace and peace and faith and uh, his righteousness. But he takes it a step further and says, not only that, but the divine power of God has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, that's amazing to me. Everything you need for life, God gave you. He's given it to you already. So how can I hold on a moment? I've got a lot of questions. Well, you're not looking in the right area. You're not looking to the right person. He's already given you all things that pertain to life and all things that pertain to godliness. Life, like where do I live and what kind of a job should I take and who should I marry. That's life. Where should I put my kids in school? All of that kind of a thing. All things that pertain to life have been given to you already. What food should I eat? All things. And godliness. You see, God is not just interested in your soul. He's interested in your body, soul, and your spirit. All together. And he's given you everything you need. I love that. And the Bible says, according as his divine power. The same power that created this world. The same power that spoke and billions of stars were placed in the sky. The same power that formed this earth with his hands. The Bible says he holds the water the water of the whole world in the palm of his hand. That same power has given you everything you need. Is there anything too hard for God? He's given it to you. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. I love this verse. He that spared not his own son for us. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? I did a little. just a quick little search this morning on those two words. All things. I'd like to do a, a sermon on that sometime. All things. He's given us all things. It's amazing. Everything you need. He's given. And not just that. But the Bible says in our text. He's given us. In verse number 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We aren't just given freely, freely given all things now, but we also have promises which give us things to come. Which promise us of things that are to come. A promise, as Nathan said a moment ago, speaks of things that are not yet come, not yet obtained. We have those promises. And by these promises that are given to us, the Bible says we're able to be partakers of God's nature. Did you know that? Would you look here? If you've been born again, you are a partaker of the nature of God. Before you're saved, today if you're here and you've never been born again, the only nature you have is a corrupt nature. You know that. You don't need me to tell you that. And I don't mean to step on your toes. Maybe I do mean to step on your toes a little bit, but that's okay. If you've never been born again, the only nature you have is a corrupt nature And that nature is constantly going the wrong way. And you may get up in the morning and say, today I'm going to change my life. I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. Today is going to be a better day. Turn a new leaf over. Start a new page in the story. You can try it all you want to, but the only nature you have is a rotten, corrupt nature. And you'll do the same thing over and over again. But when you are born again, you are given God's nature. You're given something you never had before. You're given the ability to seek after the things of God. To look at people through different eyes. You're given a new nature. And it's the promises found in this book that help you to latch on to that nature. When you read the promises, you, you begin to realize, hold on. This is God's word and God cannot tell a lie. And if God said it, it must be true. And therefore, that's mine. I belong to him because he said it. I have his nature. Not only that, but the Bible says when we lay hold on His nature according to His promises, we are able to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. There's only one way to escape corruption in this world. There's only one way to escape the constant onslaught of lust that runs through our heart and mind. And that is through the promises that are given through us that allow us to lay hold on the nature of God. It's an amazing thought that if God cannot sin, if God has never sinned and He cannot sin, and I have a part, I can lay hold on His nature, then surely that's all the power I need to escape the corruption that's in the world. Amazing. Something else I want to show you. Not only that, but the Bible says we can have all of these things that have been given to us, we can have them multiplied. Now, I love that thought. Let's take a little survey. Are you listening? How many of you this morning know you could do with a little bit more grace? Would you raise your hand? Yes, uh, some mornings, I, I, I need a whole lot more grace. Mondays, I really need grace. I don't know about you, but Mondays are the day when I need an extra measure of grace. And you can have grace multiplied. You've already got it because you wouldn't be saved if you didn't have it. But you can have it multiplied. How many of you could do with a bit more peace? Would you raise your hand? Sometimes, I think people in the world right now have no peace. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They're worried. They're not sure what tomorrow is going to bring. You need Peace. And you already have a measure of peace, or you wouldn't be saved. You wouldn't be a child of God. But some of you need peace multiplied. But there's only one way to get it. There's only one way to get it. The Bible tells us the answer in verse number 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. Verse number 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through The knowledge of Him that hath called us. Verse number 8, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way, there's no shortcut to receiving all of these things and having them multiplied. There's only one way to receive all of these things from God and not just to know it intellectually, but to feel it in your bones and to live it in your life, there's only one way, and that is through knowing God. That's it. Well, I, I, I need more peace. Give me something to read. No, no, no. Give me someone to know. God. I need more grace. I'm just terribly impatient. I'm a, I'm a monster sometimes in the morning. There's only one way. God. You can take all the tablets in the world. It's not going to change anything. You need God. That's what you need. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my life. I need, I need somebody to tell me. I have people come to me all the time. Can you tell me what I should do? And I say, I can't tell you what you should do. I can't do that. But the Bible says, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. According to the knowledge, through the knowledge of him that hath called us. Would you like to know some answer to life? There's only one way. Now I like this. We're told grace and peace is multiplied through knowing God the Father. But we're told all things that pertain to life and godliness are received through the knowledge of Him that hath called us. Now, I'm not the most clever chap in the world. Somebody help me here. Who is it? What part of the Godhead, what part of the Trinity is it that calls us? Anyone know? The Holy Spirit. Does, is it not the Spirit that draws us, calls us, convicts us, leads us? According as? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us. You want to know the answers to life and godliness? Well, the one who's been sent to be your guide is the Holy Spirit. You can't try to make it through this world on your own if you don't walk with the Spirit of God, if you don't know him. Can I just say for a moment, we have let, sometimes we've let people who make an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit, we've let them steal that from us so we don't think about Him at all. That's one of the biggest crimes that have been committed in Christianity today, modern Christianity. We have neglected the Holy Spirit who is God. He is God. He's not some force or some power. He's not the power of God. He is God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And if you want to know answers to life, if you want to know answers to sanctification and godliness, you better get to know the Spirit of God. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Through. Through. It's an important word. You can't miss it. Through the knowledge of God. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us. Verse 8, through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Through. Now, we come to the second part of this just quickly, briefly. All this has been given to us. All this is available. Like I said a moment ago with that debit card, it's all been put into your spiritual bank account. You just need to get it. But there's something else we find in our text, which I think is the perfect... New Testament balance. What we find in the New Testament is God giving, us being given, receiving, and then the responsibility in the heart of us, in the life of us as Christians, thus to give. The Bible says in verse 5, And beside this, besides all that you have been given, you, giving all diligence, add to your faith. We have been given... And now we must give something so that we might continue to receive. So that we might continue to grow. So that we might continue to move forward in the Christian life. And if you don't give anything back, if you don't add to your faith, if you don't put one foot in front of the other, you're never going to get to point B. Everybody says, I'm here at point A. I want to get to point B. You're never going to get there if you don't pick up your leg, pick up your feet and start walking. Oh, God, you've given me all this. You've given me so much. Would you take me from here to there? We want God to teleport us from one step of our Christian life to the next. And God says, I've given you two legs. Walk. I've given you all that you need. Go. God has given you what you need. It's still all of God's grace. You couldn't do it without it. It's still all of God. But you've got to put some legs. Oh, Dr. Paisley used to say, it's time to put some legs beneath our prayers. The idea is we've prayed and we ought to keep praying and praying and praying but you then need to put some legs underneath it and go, obey, obey. And the Bible says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And we're given seven things. I want you to see this. Seven things we are told you and I have to work at. Give all diligence. Diligence means you give very careful attention and care. You work hard at it. If somebody's diligent, they are working hard, they're paying close attention to something. And the Bible says, give all all diligence to add to your faith seven things. Virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. Those seven things, not one of those things comes naturally. You can put your Bible under your pillow all you want every night, but it's not going to hop into your brain. You You can put your headphones in and listen to it all day long, but if you don't give diligence to add to your faith seven things first one's virtue moral excellence first on the list do you know that naturally speaking you and i are morally rotten when you wake up in the morning the first thought in your head is usually not a good thought moral excellence you've got to strive and labor and give diligence to walk carefully not only that to virtue We're told, add knowledge. You think again, that by putting the Bible under your your head at night, that the words of God are going to jump in? Have you ever met somebody and thought, I wish I knew the Bible like he does? Or I wish I knew the Bible like she does? Do you know how that happened? They didn't wake up one day and God deposited a, 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 a bank of information in their head. They read and studied the scriptures and meditated and memorized the word. And they gave diligence to knowing God. Add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance. You know what that word is, don't you? Self-control. Now, let's take a survey. How many of you know you could use a little bit more self-control? I'm going to put two hands up. Well, that didn't happen automatically or accidentally. No, here's what it is. Every time the opportunity arises for your flesh to get its way, or for the Spirit to get His, you choose the Spirit. The Bible says there's now therefore no condemnation to those who who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. You've got a choice. You can walk this way or you can walk that way. You can follow your fleshly desires or you can follow the leading of God's Spirit. And every time you walk in the direction of God's Spirit, do you know what you're doing? You're adding to your faith temperance. Add. Work at it virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience. Tommy Wall used to say, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Doesn't quite work like that, does it? Sometimes we pray for patience, but you pray for patience, you get a trial. You've got to exercise patience. That's endurance. We were talking about this last night at the Bible study. Ben Gayan and Sam were there. We were talking Ben and Sam aren't going to get up tomorrow morning and run a marathon. They may want to, What they're going to do is tomorrow morning, they're going to get up and run one mile. And when they wake up from being unconscious, they'll try to run the next mile. And the idea is little by little, they endure and they build their strength up. And as they endure, they're adding, they're adding patience. They're adding endurance. That's what you've got to do. Godliness. Godliness doesn't come by accident. You walk a a likeness to God that comes by spending time in His presence. Brotherly kindness doesn't come naturally. It comes intentionally. There's some of our dear brothers and sisters, sometimes even usually more, it's more found in our sisters. There's some of our dear sisters here today and brothers who just have become masters at brotherly kindness. Charity. That's the crowning principle of a child of God. The crowning character trait, characteristic of a child of God is charity. Love. Love. Add those seven things. Now watch this in in closing. If these things, if these seven things be in you and they abound, meaning you're adding to them, you're adding to your faith these seven things, the Bible says they will make you that you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll know the Savior more because you can only get those things by knowing the Savior. Those seven things are perfectly displayed for us in the person of Jesus Christ. There's nobody who had better virtue than Jesus. Nobody had better knowledge than Christ. Nobody had better self-control than the Savior. He let them nail his hands on the cross and he could have breathed on them and shriveled them up like a raisin. Nobody had more temperance than him. Nobody had more patience, endurance, or godliness, brotherly kindness, or charity. He said, Father, forgive them as they nail them to a cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Brotherly kindness and charity. You want to have all those seven things, look to Jesus. Know him. And if you have those seven things, you will be abounding in the knowledge of the Savior Jesus. But, now watch this. I think this is a key point today. Verse 9. He that lacketh these things. Are you listening? If you don't get anything today, I want you to hear this. He that does not have these seven things. If you do not add these seven things to your faith. He that lacketh these things is blind. Cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The number one reason people doubt their salvation is because they do not add to their faith. They do not grow. And they look at their life and say, I don't see any fruit, I don't see any evidence, am I really saved? And the problem isn't that they're not saved, the problem, maybe for some it is, the problem is they're not adding to their faith. Because the Bible says if these seven things be in you, they'll make you that you will be fruitful. You won't be barren. You will have fruit. But if you don't add these things, the Bible says you'll be blind. You You won't be able to tell where you are. You can't see afar off. You won't be able to see where you're going. And he has forgotten that he was purged. You begin to start asking yourself, am I even saved? Have I ever really been born again? Because you didn't add to your faith. Sometimes we think, well, I've asked Jesus to save me. I've repented of my sins. I believe in Christ. And now we sit back in an armchair and say, God, take over. And we act like God is going to just open the top of our head and pour it all in. And tomorrow we'll be superstar Christian. No, no, no. Add to your faith. He's already given you everything you need. He's given all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given you grace and peace multiplied. He's given you precious faith. He's given you so much. All you need He's giving you a bank account with a, a billion, trillion spiritual pounds. You're just going to take your debit card to the bank, to the source, God himself, and get it. You've got to get to know him. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. You're going to walk with him. You're going to walk with them. And the Bible says you'll be fruitful. You'll be abounding. You won't be blind. You won't forget that, you're, that you've been purged. The Bible says in verse 10, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence, give diligence. There's that word again, to make your calling and election sure. I love this. Because the previous verse says your calling and election wasn't sure because you didn't add to your faith. Your calling and election was uncertain. Am I really saved? Have I really been born again? Just simply because you didn't add to your faith. But we're told, make it sure. Make your calling and your election sure. And you do that by adding to your faith. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. Ye shall never fall. Let's say those four words together. Ye shall never fall. Let's say it again. Ye shall never fall. If you add to your faith, you will not fall. Do you know when we fall? When we neglect that diligence to adding to our faith. That's when we fall. Do you know when I fall? The days that I fall are the days that this book lays a little bit longer on the shelf and gathers a little bit more dust. That's when I start falling. When do I fall? When I'm worried about my knees getting dirty so I don't kneel to pray. I don't take the time. That's, that's when I start to fall because I'm not giving diligence. I'm not laboring and working to add to my faith. But if ye do these things, ye shall never, 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 never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now think for a moment. All of you came in this tent by either that entrance or that back entrance. But do you know most Christians, they just step in. Most Christians, they repent of their sins and by faith step in and they hang out right there at the door of the tent. And God says, get in here. There's a lot more in here than you could ever imagine. And the Bible says if you add to your faith, you will begin to recognize that an entrance will be ministered to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. I don't want to just get in by the skin of my teeth, do you? I meet people all the time. Oh, I hope I get in by the skin of my teeth. If I get in by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy. I want to be in as far in as I could possibly be. I want to be buried in Christ. I want to be so deep I couldn't see the way back out. There's not a way back out. But I want to be in so deep. I'm not happy with just walking in. But we got to add to our faith. If you don't add to your faith, mark my word and mark Peter's word. If you don't add to your faith, very soon, you'll start wondering, where are you? Where on earth am I? How did I get here? I don't even know where I'm going. Don't even know what I'm doing in life. And am I even saved? If you're feeling that way today, back up. Remember all that God's given you. And in light of all that God has given you, give all diligence to add to your faith. Add to your faith. Satan is so clever. Would you look here for a moment? Satan is so clever. He knows that if he can make you doubt your salvation, then what he will do is make you totally useless to God and to the kingdom of God. Because instead of laboring for God, instead of speaking of God's glory and grace and riches, instead of speaking of the marvelous riches in Christ, you're so preoccupied with wondering if you're even saved you be so preoccupied trying to figure out, am I saved? I need to, what do I need to do? And you're so busy there that you can't be of any use to the kingdom of God. Add to your faith. Have you got it? Have you been given like precious faith, grace, the righteousness of God, grace and peace multiplied? Have you been given all things that pertain unto life and godliness? Have you been given exceeding great and precious promises? Add to your faith. Day by day. Maybe we ought to look at those seven things. I don't know. One at a time. Add these things to your faith. Would you bow your head with me, please? We'll close in prayer and sing our final hymn. Father, we confess unto thee that far too many days we live in blindness. No direction and live in doubt and confusion simply because We haven't considered all that has been given to us. And then we haven't given diligence to add to our faith. We give thanks, Lord, that all that we need to grow in Christ, all that we need to add to our faith has already been granted. Help us, Lord. Give us a heart and a mind that is longing to know Thee more. Longing to know the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit even more. Forgive us, I pray, for our lethargy, for our apathy. Forgive us, Lord. Change us that we might long for Thee more and hunger after Thee more. and Give unto us a desire to add to our faith diligently. I pray that this congregation would become a fruitful, abundant, abundantly fruitful church unto Thy glory and Thy honor. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for His sake. Amen.